one. I've been in a, a uh, series of messages uh, leading up to uh, Christmas, and of course that was last week. But God knows. God knows best, uh, what, and He knows what He's doing. And so we're going to preach it this week, and we'll conclude this series of messages on uh, uh, this. This message will be God's gift to the world. And of course, we started this series on the promised seed. And then from the promised seed, we went to the lineage of promise, the family of Christ. Where did it come from? And of course, then we got onto the promised name. It had even been prophesied some 750 years before Christ was born that uh, what his name would be. And now this morning, we have the arrival of the Emmanuel, that is God with us. And I'd like to read a couple of verses here in Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. I, I won't read much. I'm not planning on being long today. I just short and sweet uh, and, and, and will focus on Christ. God's gift to the world. But he says here in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And as I had commented the week before last, I liked that wording because that wording means it happened exactly like this, on this wise. And then he says, When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child, of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. That name there, Jesus, it literally means Jehovah is Savior. That's what it means. That's its exact translation. Jehovah is Savior. I don't know how so many people today miss that. They're like, well, Jesus wasn't God. Jesus is not God manifest in the flesh. He was just a prophet. He was just a good man. I, I differ based upon the authority of the Word of God. The very name Jesus means Jehovah is Savior. People miss that. The devil wants to deceive people, and they miss it. And just in case you did miss it, there in the name Jesus, he says, for he shall save his people from their sins. It's right in the context. But then he goes on to say this, and he says, um, I'm, I'm looking here. Uh, I lost my place. Jesus shall save the people from their sin. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That's what I was looking for. I thought I missed it. Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with it, just in case you missed it, about Jehovah is Savior. Then he says, one of the names which was prophesied, which we've seen in Isaiah chapter 9 and chapter 7, that Emmanuel, its, its definition or its uh, translation uh, means God, and that's God, the Almighty God, 
is with us. Let us pray this morning. Our gracious Father, we come and Lord, we thank you for allowing us to meet today. And and Lord, uh, we're so happy uh, to be in America and that we're here and we're free and we're free to worship. There, there are places the world I've seen there in Nigeria. 100 Christians murdered on Christmas Day last week uh, just because they wanted to go to church, just because they believe that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. And Lord, we see in so much of this rise up and, and the devil is on, on the move trying to destroy and to kill and to persecute your church. And Lord, our prayer is that you come and take us away Lord, for a few moments this morning, let us, while the door is still open, sound the gospel call that the Savior was born 2,000 years ago. And Lord, you lived your life and you, you give it willingly on the cross and you were buried and then you rose again and all power's been given to you. Lord, if there be any lost today, let it be today that they accept you In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You know, my mind goes back to John 3.16. I don't know about you, but that was the first Bible verse my mother taught me. And and I hope you mothers are teaching your children Bible verses and your grandmothers are teaching your, your grandbabies Bible verses. There's nothing better. But the first Bible verse that I was taught by my mother, it was a stick in one hand, a Bible and she was teaching me. I, I had a, I don't know, I got a stubborn streak, I guess. But I did get it. For God so loved the world, oh, amen, that he gave, there it is, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, if you look at that verse hard enough, you can see the past, present, and future tense of God's love right there. But the Bible is clear that Jesus Christ is God's gift to this lost and dying world. And that God, because He loved this world, gave His only begotten Son. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be giving my son or my grandchild, children, to any of this rotten world. Uh, What love does God have for us sinful creatures when it would have, in my mind, would have been easier just to start over again. Uh, But he didn't do that. Uh, God had a redemption plan, and he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in the form of flesh, and my name will be called Jesus. God the Father, God the Son. We learned that in Sunday school. And then God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. So God gave. And He gave Jesus to redeem man. He gave Jesus to pay the sin debt of the world. Jesus is God's gift. My mind, as I begin to, uh, to study this message, and, and, and we get into John chapter 4, and this is what Jesus said. He says to the woman at the well, he says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, he was referring to himself, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Oh, amen. 
And Jesus is telling this woman at the well, and I was thinking about this, and I'm trying not to get too long-winded and run too many rabbit tracks, but I was reminded that after she met the Savior there, and he was telling her about herself, she left her water pot there at the well and took off telling others about Jesus. And that water pot is a sign of leaving this physical life and the things in this life behind when Jesus saves you, when he moves in on the inside, you drop that stuff and you begin to live a new life because Jesus is God's gift to the world. Boy, that'll preach, and I'm going to leave that alone. I won't develop that anymore. But you can meditate upon that today where Jesus said directly that he was God's gift uh, here to this lost and dying world. And then uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, these were probably some of the second, third, or fourth memory verses that my mother taught me. For by grace are you saved and he says, uh, um, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And just in case somebody gets uh, lost along the way, not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, if you could work your way to earn this gift, then God would owe you something. It really wouldn't be a gift now, would it? Uh, it would be payment for services rendered. Let me ask you this question this morning. Have you received God's gifts? It is clear from Scripture that Jesus is the God's gift to this world. Have you received God's gift this morning? God's gift is a personal gift, as the woman at the well found out, as the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus found out, it was a personal gift, as the thief on the cross found out before he passed off into eternity that God's gift is a personal gift when he says, Lord, remember me. It's a personal gift. You know, this Bible there in Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm happy about that. And why is because the Bible is teaching me, listen to me now, the Bible's teaching me that this is not a denominational gift. That's not, that's not what God has done. It's a whosoever will gift. It's not a denominational gift. Uh, it's not a Baptist only gift. And I'm not beating up on Baptists. Uh, you know how I stand on that. If you want to go first class, you're going to go Baptist. But you don't have to be Baptist to be saved. You don't have to be a Baptist to receive God's gift. You don't have to be a Jew to receive God's gift. It is a whosoever will gift given to man. You know, it's an eternal gift. God doesn't give it to you and then take it away. I like that. We had a phrase, and maybe it's not all politically correct and, and maybe somebody would get mad but in my day I remember my parents and grandparents said yeah you don't want to be an Indian giver and, and you say oh boy well, look we're not woke in here it's just, what, he, what it meant was we're not going to give you something then take it away God doesn't do that this gift of God is eternal when he gives it to you he doesn't take it back away from you 
if you think you don't deserve it no more. Say, oh, preacher, well, there's some people that don't believe that. Let them keep believing that. Maybe it'll keep them on fire for God. Sometimes some of us Baptists got so many things so all figured out we get cold on God. We need to get back on fire for God. This gift, God's not going to take it away. It lasts forever. Remember? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Mm. You don't need batteries. They always dread Christmas Day. Something somewhere is going to need batteries, and you don't have them. This gift don't need batteries. It doesn't require additives. So if you've got a special uh, uh, a gift that requires some type of gas or additives, or maybe you've got a baking kit, but it's missing some of the key baking ingredients, it's not salvation. It doesn't work like that. There's no special additives required. Well, let me ask you this. How to accept God's gift. Maybe, maybe you haven't accepted God's gift. Maybe you understand God sent His Son. and You understand that Jesus is God's gift. And you understand it's a whosoever will gift. But I, I, I couldn't help but wonder, maybe in the day and age that we live in, that maybe some of the people listening to my voice might not know how to accept God's gift. You know, I, raised in a Christian home and, and raised in church, it was never an issue for me. But the older I, uh, I get and the longer I live, uh, I find out that not everybody was raised how I was raised. Not everybody had a pastor for a father, you know. Uh, uh, and so uh, maybe you don't know how to receive God's gifts. Number one, you need to realize that Jesus came to die for you. I said it's a personal gift. Jesus come to die for you. Now, you need to get this in your mind. If you were the only human being that was on this planet, that means Jesus would have come and died on Calvary to redeem you. But there's many of us. And God's not willing that any should perish, but that all. The whole world. God would have the whole world to be saved. Now, they're not going to. As I so, told you about three or four weeks ago, not everybody wants God to bless them. Not everybody wants to serve God. Not everybody wants to follow Jesus. Not everybody wants to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And God will sort all that out. But there are some. There will be a few, like the woman at the well, like the thief on the cross, like the Apostle Paul that says, I want to receive this gift. And you need to understand that this Christ come to die for you and he come to die for you and me because you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've transgressed God's law. And this Bible, I, I, I don't say that because I think that's my opinion, because of a philosophy I follow. I say that based upon the Word of God. The Bible, God's Word, written, many parts were written by the very finger of God. 
says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you need to realize you're a sinner. That's why you need to be saved. You need saving. You're not going to get through this life without accepting God's gift. There is no other way to heaven but through the door, and the door is Christ. There's no other way. The Lord says anybody that tries to come in any other way, they're a thief and they're a robber. And the Bible is clear that thieves and robbers and murderers and drunkards, they will have their part in the lake of fire. He says that's somebody trying to come in another way. He says, the only way is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And you need Him before you meet eternity. You need to be saved because of the second death. You need to be saved because of the penalty of sin is an eternity in hell. Hell is a real place and hell is a hot place. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. But when you side with the devil by rejecting Jesus, you're going to share the fate with Satan. You need to be saved. And so you're going to have to admit that you're a sinner. You know, that's hard for people to do sometimes. They don't want to admit they're a sinner. They don't want to admit that they're bad. And how you know that is that, well, I'm not as bad as some. I've been told this by people in this town. I'm not as bad as some of the people you got in your church and starts naming names. Say, yeah, but as bad as so-and-so might be, they've still been born again. Doesn't matter how bad you are, it's what have you done with Jesus. Because we're sinners <laughs> and we're not perfect. We need a Savior. And we're going to have to admit, before we can receive or accept God's gift, we're going to have to admit that we're a sinner. We're going to have to realize there's only one way to heaven. And then we're going to have to believe. Now that's, we used to know the definition of that word. Believe means to pledge oneself to. The word believe is a very unique word. It's an old English word, and it's a two-part word. Be, state of being, and then leave. And it, and it has its roots in love. It's kind of uh, pictured like marriage, when you uh, promise to marry someone, you promise to go along with. And so when the Bible says that whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and then he says you're going to believe on Christ, it means you're going to pledge to go along with Jesus in a new life. The Bible says it like this. It'll say it better than I did in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess, there we go, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That's a title. The Lord Jesus. Meaning you're going to have to believe and confess it that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, you cannot receive God's gift. Very sticky there, but it is a must. Jesus was not just a good preacher. Jesus was not just a good prophet. Jesus was not just a good teacher sent from God. He was God manifest in the flesh, and that's why you see the Lord. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord, uh, Jesus, 
and shalt believe in thine heart. There it is. And this is the Bible giving you what he means by the word believe. A lot of times people believe things with their head. But you'll never go along with something. You'll never go along with somebody unless you truly believe with the heart. Heart belief. And he says, you're going to have to believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That means you've got to believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people that'll confess Jesus is a good man. Jesus is real. I Means documented in history. Can't get around it. They believe that he was crucified, but they stop there. They don't believe that he rose again. This Bible is telling you that in order to receive God's gift, you're going to have to believe that. You're going to have to pledge yourself to that. You're going to have to go along with that and agree with God in what God has said in this record that Jesus rose from the dead the third day. Believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. He says, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth. Think about it like this in John 1, 12. But as many as received him. See, believing is receiving. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You're going to have to believe some things and trust God on some things before you can receive this gift. It says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow. You say, preacher, how do I do that? Do I got to get fancy? No, I want your mind to go back to that thief on the cross. The thief on the cross will straighten out a lot of people's theology. And here's why. The thief on the cross did not pray a fancy sinner's prayer. And I'm not saying if you prayed one, it wasn't right. I'm just telling you, the thief on the cross didn't pray a fancy sinner's prayer. The thief on the cross was not baptized in water. The thief on the cross had never taken communion. The thief on the cross was not a Baptist. The thief on the cross was not a Catholic. The thief on the cross was not Church of Christ. Are you getting it? Is it straightening up the theology? But what did Christ say when that man says, Lord... He's acknowledging that Jesus is God. He's telling the other thief who's still cursing the name of Christ, who's still mad and says, if you're God, why don't you get yourself down and get us down? And this thief, he was doing it, and then he seen something. And he changed his mind. The light of the glorious gospel is he looks at the Son of God, God in the flesh, dying for the sins of man. He says, Lord... He's acknowledging him as God. Remember me? He wasn't at no altar. There was no soul winner there. 
And what did Christ say? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Boy, that straightens out a lot of theology, doesn't it? People want to try to complicate salvation. What that thief was saying is, I believe that there's life after death. I believe your God manifest in the flesh, God the Son. And I believe today you're going to walk into paradise. And Lord, I want you to remember me. He was believing with that heart. Lord didn't say, well, you're going to have to absolve yourself of the sins. You know, after all, you are a thief. He didn't say that, did he? No, Jesus was paying his sin debts. And that man acknowledged him as Lord. That man acknowledged that there's life after death. That man acknowledged that he was going to raise again the third day. And he says, Lord, remember me. The Lord says, this day. What was Jesus saying? That's salvation. I'm going to give you the gift of eternal life. This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's how you receive the gift. It's not complicated. It's not fancy. But there is genuine heart belief. And you understand that you're a sinner lost on your way to a devil's hell and Jesus is the only way. And you're going to say, cry out to Christ, Lord, I don't know the right way to do this, but I believe in you. Please remember me. And I promise you, the Lord will say, this day, you write that name down and you'll go to heaven. That's how you receive the gift. It's not a denominational gift. It's not a Jewish gift. It's a whosoever will. Because God's not willing that any should be perish. And God's going to say, you know what? I think you've sinned too much. It doesn't get much worse than capital punishment. And God saved that man. God can save you. Let's all stand this morning.